Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the 24th episode of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you valuable insights uh, from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. So good morning to you, Matt. Good morning, Mark. Got a nice cold 20 degree morning out there. Yeah, nice and crisp. It was a little brisk walking out to the car this morning. <laughs> it was. It was weird because it was like 50 degrees on, uh, on Monday and then yesterday and today it just dropped off a cliff. That Cold time of year. the year. That time of the year, my friend. Oh, two weeks away from Christmas, by the way. Yeah, two weeks away. It's crazy. This year flew by, it feels like. It feels like every year it every gets year's like that. faster and faster, but yep. as we get older and older. But um, as always, just wanted to take the first few minutes to recap the performance for um, month to date and year to date of the major indexes that we track. And these numbers are as the as of the market close on uh, December 10th. And this data today is from Bloomberg. Um, S&P 500 index is down 0.27% for the month and up 24.96% for the year. The Dow down 0.6% for the month and up 19.52% for the year. The NASDAQ is down 0.57% uh, for the month and up 29.85% for the year. The Russell 2000 index is up 0.44% for the month and up 21% for the year. Uh, the international index, X United States, is up 0.25% uh, for the month and up 15.69% for the year. The three-month T-bill currently yielding 1.55%, the two-year Treasury yielding 1.65%, and the 10-year Treasury yield is sitting at 1.84%. Um, so, Matt, we still continue kind of to hover around all-time highs uh, with some consolidation going on, just the market chopping back and forth. Yep. Um, News yesterday came out that the December 15th tariff deadline is probably getting pushed back, according to several news reports that I that I read. I've heard similar things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So as Matt mentioned last week, there was a tariff deadline on December 15th that if there wasn't a trade deal done, that additional tariffs would kick in on China. Yep. Um, but there have been discussions about pushing that back, which has been uh, beneficial for the markets in the short term, I think. Yeah, I think it's brought a little bit of stability. Um. And other news and headlines for the week, the Fed is currently in its two-day meeting to make a decision on interest rate policy, and they will announce their decision uh, later this afternoon. And we believe the consensus is that the Fed is going to leave rates um, unchanged for right now. I would agree, Mark. I think they'll also say things like data dependent on future uh, monetary policy, which is exactly what the market wants to hear. Yeah. And especially, you know, we all know that the Fed is supposed to remain uh, independent politically and from government. So going into an election year, they want to probably uh, be as muted as possible. So if they can get away without making any rate changes, I think that's what they're probably going to try to do to remain independent. I would agree, Mark. I, I think the next meeting, at least, they'll probably do the same exact thing they're doing today. You know, no change monetary policy in the future is going to be data dependent. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we have some event that forces them to take to change something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Um, so moving on to uh, tweets, uh, articles, and research for the week that caught our eye. Um, I had a couple things here, Matt, so I'll start yeah, off. Yeah, dig in, man. Um, so there was a tweet from Ben Carlson on December 6th. And he wrote, this will be the first decade in modern economic history since 1850 that the U.S. won't experience a single recession. Wow. So I just thought that that was an an interesting note, uh, you know, that, you know, past things don't necessarily always come to fruition in the future, um, such as having a recession every decade. Yeah. Um, So I just thought that that was an interesting note. Um, next note came from a quote from a Meb Faber podcast, uh, last week with the gentleman by the name of Simon Hallett. And the quote goes like this. Simon says that it's so hard not to sell after it's up a hundred percent or God forbid, 200%, 300%, 400% or 500%. But so many of these just compound away. And he's talking to investments Got it. Uh, and talking about investments. Um, that's one of the founding tenets of behavioral finance. We become risk averse with gains and we tend to sell too early. And I really like this one, Matt, because we get questions, you know, a decent amount of, you know, why don't we just sell if we're up say X percent for the year to lock in our gains? So if, you know, a client is up 25 or 30% this year, you know, why don't we just lock that in and sell everything and get it reinvested, uh, in the beginning of the year. And I think that the problem with that is that when you do that, Um, you know, what happens when you're in the red, um, that kind of goes contrary to that. And one of my favorite quotes that I don't know who originated it, um, but I've heard over the years is, um, let your winners ride and sell and cut your losses, uh, quickly. Yeah. Um, so I just think that, you know, just because an investment is up, you know, 30 or 50% for the year doesn't necessarily mean you should just sell it because then the risk there is it keeps running, right? Absolutely. Um, and I don't think there's an answer for, you know, if you're down 15% through the year, then what? Do you just cut your losses and sell everything then? Or do you wait for the market to bounce back? So I think people get into trouble when they try to play the game like that. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think when it comes to, you know, uh, taking some gains off the table, it really just depends upon the client. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we, uh, clients uh, have to be careful of is, is in, in actuality having taxable gains in their after-tax accounts. Right. Right. So the issue with that is if they hold the security for less than a year, they're going to get hit um, with ordinary income taxes. Right. So with 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 that statement overall about letting winners uh, ride i think it's it's tough psychologically though for people especially because 07 and 08 is still the proximity is so close in people's mind mm-hmm. that um it's almost like every client meeting everyone's just waiting for the next right when, when's it gonna happen yeah. when's it gonna happen when's yeah. it gonna happen yeah um and that's in the good point you brought up about um, taxable gains and stuff. We're going to get into that um, later in the podcast, but that 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 is a good point, and we think we have some solutions for people if you do get into a position where uh, you have some major gains. So that's coming up shortly. Um, the next thing I had was a tweet from Andrew Adams on December fifth, and the tweet goes like this: uh, If you start, if you ever start thinking the market can't go higher. The S&P 500 currently 370% above its 
2009 low. Okay, so again, the S&P 500 as of this tweet was 370% above its 2009 low. It was 370% above its 1982 low in early 1995. It would go on to rise another 200% over the next five years. Markets can do anything. It's a great, it's a great thing to put things into perspective because, Mark, you've brought up a lot of times um, statistics on this podcast about how long this bull market's been going, mm-hmm. and you know you keep hearing people, you know, it's long in the tooth. It's but you know this is a good statistic to throw out there. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's going to, but. It, it's happened in the past and it could happen again in the future. You just don't know. That's right. um, so that's why, again, I'm not a huge fan of all the fear mongering of, you know, the bull markets long in the tooth and we're due for a correction or a recession type of thing. Nope. I like that you brought that up. Um, turn it over to you, Matt, for yeah. a couple, a couple yeah, Mark, of things. I got a couple for the listeners. Uh, first is going to be from Mr. Thomas. He's the head of research at Top Down Charts. He released this on December 7th in the afternoon. And what he did is he produced a chart, Mark, that shows the performance difference between cyclicals versus growth, stability, and defense stocks. So for our listeners, he defines cyclicals as financials, industrials, materials, and energy. And then this uh, performance difference is showing the biggest performance divergence since 2000. So it's, it's interesting how, you know, the, the difference in performance between these cyclical areas of the market, especially materials and energy, and which have been very much underperforming mark. And a lot of these growth names, you know, we talked about it before the difference between a growth and a value stock in prior podcast, and growth is still seems to be in vogue right now. Yeah, yeah, it does. And again, the cyclicals team or minus financials tend to be more your defensive areas of the market. So this is fully expected, right, in a bull market. But it is it does. I mean, we'll post the chart on our our show notes. So if you go to www.jessupwealthmanagement.com, hover over the podcast tab and you can see this chart that uh, Matt brought up here. But um, it is interesting. Yeah. And, and it you know, who knows, is it going to keep getting wider and wider, this divergence, or is it eventually going to come back and revert to the mean and, and get closer uh, and have cyclicals uh, start to outperform again? Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. And then uh, this one's going to blow your mind. Okay. I, there is a tweet from uh, John Ehrlichman. He's an anchor for Bloomberg News. He tweeted this on December 8th. So this tweet had to do with time adults in the U.S. spend on their mobile devices every day. Yeah, I like this already. Every day. All right. 2009, it was 0.3 hours. Okay? Okay. 2013, 2.3 hours. Fast forward to today, 2019, 3.7 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. People are addicted to their mobile devices. So, you know, the way my mind works is, you know, we make investments for clients that can profit from this type of, you know, eyeball usage on your your mobile device, right? Right. Because, you know, if the average American spends 3.7 hours looking at their mobile device, you know, we, we find ways to make money off that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And especially with, you know, the new world we live in today of applications on phones and, you know, uh, digital advertising and that type of thing. So um, there are definitely companies out there taking advantage of this. And um, I kind of want to spin this into 
kind of a financial topic since this is a financial podcast. But um, do you think, what is your take on people checking their account values every day, right? So at the, at the uh, tap of, of a button on their phone, they can go into their whatever you know financial app they have that has their investment accounts and they can look at the performance minute by minute or day by day. Do you think that is good for investor psyche or bad? Bad. Yeah. I so um, I think it's bad because it causes people to make more emotional based financial decisions. Right. Right. Um, which we can dig into uh, now or in a different time. The other thing that it, uh, it I think it hurts is it could cause people to be uh, saving too much in a checking or savings account. And let me explain this one a little further. What I normally see, and Mark, you see it too, is we'll sit down with a client and let's say that they have 20000 in savings, right? And the problem that a client has is that the goalpost always moves to how much they want to have in savings. Yeah. So the next time that I meet with them, they got 25000 And it kind of seems to be never enough. And the savings account's earning what? A half a percent? One percent? Yeah. So, you know, we usually uh, start with the academia world of you need to have three to six months of expenses in savings and the rest, depending upon the situation, typically makes sense to invest that. Well, if you're constantly checking the account, psychologically, you're always looking at that high watermark and well, it's at 23 now. I don't want to let it go below that. Next thing you know, you're at 25. A couple years later, you're at 50,000. So what I like to tell clients is you got to draw a line in the sand. And sit there and say, anything above this amount, I'm going to stay disciplined and invest. Because the goalpost, if you don't do that, will constantly move higher and higher. And I think longer term, that client's going to be doing themselves a disadvantage. Yeah. And I think checking the account every day it makes me think of that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that it's not it's not necessarily um, a, a good thing. Um it's what people want. So we have to give it to them. Right. But I agree with you that I think, you know, it, it forces people to make short term emotional based decisions um, instead of, you know, looking at things on a, on a longer time horizon. Yeah. And, you know, the market's going to have pullbacks. You know, we've highlighted this the last couple of podcasts because the market's been on such of a run that we're reminding people that pullbacks are normal. Right. But, you know, in a client's mind, they always remember the high watermark. Right. So if they checked it on December 7th and it was X amount and they check it a couple days later and it dropped by two or three percent, you know, all of a sudden the bogey is got to get back over that high watermark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, psychologically, I think it brings in the emotions into investing, which I think is dangerous. Yeah. So I'm no. just responding. To yeah. That. Yeah. Completely agree. So I was that was a good one. Um, I always like to have a couple of things that aren't necessarily directly correlated to finance that are just interesting topics because then you know we can spin it into something that could be absolutely worthwhile and yeah. again I, I brought it up initially because i'm thinking you know we make investments into companies that can profit from that right, right? exactly that's yeah. how my mind works yep all right back to you mark um so the financial planning topic of the week um, comes from a newsletter by Braver Capital Management, who we've mentioned before, um, and this was from November 22nd. And this uh, section of the newsletter talks about a few tips on end of uh, the year financial planning. This will be good. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty timely uh, since we're kind of coming down to the wire in the last uh, few weeks of the year here. 
Um, so there's five uh, major end of year planning uh, tips that Braver points out. And the first one is taking advantage of charitable deductions. If you can lower your taxes by taking deductions in 2019, charitable contributions are a popular way to go. Um, and Matt, do you just want to touch on the concept of do- of donating, again, highly appreciated stock? Yeah, sure. So um, we've advised a lot of clients to do this who make, um, you know, um, uh, charitable contributions. If you have a stock that has appreciated, so I'm going to use a fictitious ABC Inc. You pay $10 a share and it's worth $20 a share. You can donate shares directly to a charity or a religious organization. You get a charitable deduction for the full value of the stock at the time of the gift. The charitable organization can sell it with zero tax consequences and then use the money for whatever you specify or whatever they need it for. So it's a lot better than the client, Mark, writing a check themselves with after-tax money. Mm-hmm. It's better for them to give that highly appreciated security and then let the charity sell it with zero tax implications. Right, because if they sell it, then give the money to charity, they're they still responsible the for that capital gains tax. You got it. Yeah. And um, to my understanding, so you can you can deduct uh, the full fair market value up to the IRS allowable limit, which I think is 30% of adjusted gross income. Um, so it's a very efficient way uh, to, you know, to donate, uh, to be charitable, and at the same time, save on your tax bill. No, I love this. And as a follow up to that, their second tip is harvest any losses. So they say losing money isn't fun, but there's a silver lining to selling an investment at a price below what you purchased it for a lower tax bill. You can use losses to offset gains you'd otherwise owe taxes on from other parts of your portfolio. And if your losses are greater than your gains, you can count $3,000 against your ordinary income in that year, meaning you can deduct $3,000 from your ordinary income in that year. If you still have losses beyond that, they will be carried forward to future years. Plus, after 30 days, you can always buy back what you sold at a loss. That's the wash rule. Yeah. So I think this is a good strategy to use. Um, you know, for example, if any one position is getting too large in your account, you can reduce that position size if you take a loss in another security. So then you can sell a little bit in that security that's getting to be too much of your overall account value. Yeah. Yeah. Use it to offset it. Um, so, you know, so if you take a loss of, you know, $10,000 in, in a certain security and you have a, a gain of $50,000 in another security, you can sell part of it, part of it and realize a $10,000 gain, but not pay any taxes on it. That's right. right? And move your basis up if you just want to buy more of it. Yeah. You can rebuy it and you're just moving your cost basis up. Right. Exactly. And at the same time, you're lowering the overall value of that individual security inside of the account to kind of rebalance it and get it back in line with where your advisor thinks it should be or where you think it should be. Love it. Um, number three is contributing to retirement accounts. Um, They say, review what you've already contributed to your retirement accounts so far this year. Think 401ks, traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, SEP IRAs, and health saving accounts. If you haven't hit your limits and have cash available, it's a great opportunity to potentially help minimize your tax bill while investing for your retirement. Um, So remember, though, there are certain limitations on how much of your contributions are deductible based on your income, Matt. We talked about that last week. So if people want to see those limits, you can go on our website um, and 
go under the episode uh, 23 uh, show notes for yep. the podcast. And there's a download and for the PDF. There's a PDF that shows those income limitations. Uh, so number four is use your flexible spending account. If you have one, check the balance of your FSA. Pre-tax dollars contributed for healthcare expenses do not roll over every year. Use it or you lose it. So confirm your deadline for spending and start strategizing on how to use that cash. Are there any medical supplies you can stock up on? Do you have any receipts from doctor's appointments that you could submit for reimbursement? Absolutely. And I know that um, um, some companies allow a small rollover of a little bit to the next year. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Most, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I always laugh, you know, I'll be at like CVS at near the end of the year and I see the people Stocking just up. grabbing all the stuff, right? Yeah. That they can, you know, they got their debit card out for their, for their FSA. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I know exactly what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the FSA, the flex spending account is different from the health savings account. Correct. Just to point Mark. that out so people aren't confused. Um, and number five is know your minimum IRA distributions. So, um, Tax planning varies from situation to situation, um, and you know it's can be cloaked with jargon and acronyms. So make sure to confer with your CPA if you have any questions or, or your advisor. And in relation to the RMD comment, um, check with your advisor and make sure you have at least taken out your RMD um, because there are hefty penalties if someone uh, does not take out their full RMD uh, as outlined by the IRS for that given year. So just make sure and check with your advisor, even if that's a call or an email and say, hey, am I covered for my RMD this year? So you don't get penalized for that. Yeah. I mean, I was on a call just yesterday with a client and they uh, recently inherited an account and the RMD hadn't been taken yet. And I re reminded this individual, I said, you know, you need to get that RMD done by the end of the year. And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, because what happens if you don't take that RMD, the penalty is 50% of the amount. Right. It's substantial. Of the RMD, yeah. Of the RMD amount. And that's gone. So if you're required to take, you know, five grand, you know, they're going to tack on another 2,500 bucks uh, next year because you didn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that came in, in a timely manner um, since we're, we're getting down to the last few weeks of the year. So if anyone has any questions on that, um, feel free to reach out. Um, and we don't have any questions from, from listeners this week. So just as a reminder, again, we want this podcast to be driven by all of you listeners. So if you have, have questions, feel free to email me at mark at jessupwealthmanagement.com. Um, to submit some questions or topics that you want to be heard on the podcast. Um, so anything else before we wrap up here this week, Matt? Nope. We're going to record next week's podcast on, uh, on Thursday. We have that slated for that. And um, everyone stay warm. Yeah, stay warm. Um, thanks, everybody, again, for listening and tuning in to the 24th episode of the Independent Advisors podcast. We hope you all have a great day rest of the week and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. And also check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. Here you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. 
Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words, questions, and topics in the subject line to mark at jessupwealthmanagement.com. And we'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor.